0: So we've been doing a series in the book of Hebrews, and we wrapped that up a, um, a week ago, two weeks ago. And then we did a message for Friend Day last week looking at the Shema from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Today we're going to start in a series in the book of Acts. <clears throat> and I feel like it's a timely message because uh, just where the church is at, we've we've come out of COVID, I think officially now we've been deemed out of the pandemic, right? I don't know. Uh, he's still here. I haven't heard many people with COVID here lately, but it's still out there a little bit. But, but I think it, it was with us long enough that it really did change us, how we think and how we do ministry as a church, how we live our lives. Um, it, it's made us a little more to ourselves. Um, it is, um, maybe to a large degree, even made us more fearful about some things, um, which is unfortunate. Um, if we're too fearful, I mean, fear is a good thing, right? Right? It protects you. It keeps you safe. So if you see a big grizzly bear in your path, you know to run, right? That is a good thing. But also fear, if, if you have fear, you'll never go outside your house, right? And, um, and live your life. And I don't believe that's what God has called us to do. He's, he's a mighty God. He has given us common sense. So we're going to look at the book of Acts. It also just talks about how the church how the church goes from a state of kind of like nothing to being the church uh, where we're at over 2,000 years, right? Roughly at 2,000 years, all right? So we're going to be in Acts chapter 1 today. Uh, I did do a message back in June on Pentecost Sunday. It was called Sales. I encourage you to go back and listen to that. You can find that on the website, YouTube channel. And uh, it, it touched upon some of the same information but a little bit different. So back in 1996, there was a movie series that came out. Anybody know which one it was? No, it wasn't left behind. It was a secular movie, Denise. I'm not that spiritual. (laughs) Mission Impossible. There you go. That was when the first one came out, right? Back in 1996. Um, The sixth one came out in 2018. I didn't realize it had been. I thought there was one that was more recent than that. Um, I guess that would be four years ago. Um, and then there's one, what you may not know, is 7 and 8. Um, there's one coming out in 2023, and then number 8, 2024, so Mission Impossible. But the premise of these movies, right, is Tom Cruise and his, his companions are, are given a mission that humanly seems what? Impossible, right? But somehow, because of who they are, they figure out a way to get the job done, and they do what is humanly impossible, right? Mission impossible. And they usually have a lot of action to them, right? You know what? In a similar fashion, God has given the church a mission that in human terms is probably impossible, if we can be honest. And what is the mission that God has given us? Right? Yeah. So go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, And behold, I'll be with you always, right? Matthew chapter 28. You know, in the early church when Jesus gave that, they didn't have a lot of money in the bank. They just didn't, right? They didn't have a lot of political power or influence. Uh, They didn't. and They didn't have any military power. Uh, They were a few in number. We know that on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 are saved and they grew to 5,000, all right? But still, in comparison uh, to much of the known world at that time, they were a minority, right? And they were operating from a place on the fringe, not from a place of power and influence, but they were operating from a position of weakness, in a lot of ways, humanly speaking. And yet God calls them to change the world and to take the gospel message and to share what Christ had done in their life with the world around them. They had been entrusted with the ministry of Jesus, they had been entrusted with seeing his death and also his resurrection. And they had been changed and transformed by his power in their life. And now he's saying, you know what? I want you to take that, your story and share it with the world and baptize them in the name of the father, son, and the Holy spirit. So fast forward 2000 years later, the gospel has spread to all the major continents of the world. Um, and in our nation, right, we've seen the gospel go everywhere. We would think, you know what, we would definitely be a rich country, right, because um, of our population that knows Christ. And yet we're seeing significantly um, the number of people that claim to be Christian is not going up. It's, it's going this way. Even within the assemblies of God, we are seeing, we're seeing a slowdown in that way. We used to be one of the faster-growing denominations. This is what David Platt says, when we talk about reach, we're not just talking about lostness. We're talking about a- actual access. Unreach means they don't have access to hear the gospel. There's no church. There's no Christian. There's no Bible. There's no Bible, right? And I was just looking for Sonny because Sonny, he, he likes to get the Bibles out there for people. Um, he owns the Super 8 if you don't know them. And God has commanded us to make the gospel known to as many people as possible He's commanded us to make the gospel known to all people and all people groups. According to the Joshua Project, a people group is considered uh, unreached based upon the following criteria. 2% or less of the population is evangelical Christian and less than 5% Christian adherents. So um, there's many countries that fall into that category still today. India would be one of those. Huge nation, population-wise but remains largely unreached. So of the more 7.7 billion people on planet Earth, roughly only 3.2 billion are considered, well, no, 3.2 billion are considered unreached or at least reached. In other words, 41%, almost 42% of our world does not have a relevant gospel witness. So we may say, you know what, the gospel has gone to all the different places and we've fulfilled the mission, but according to the data, 40% or better of our world still doesn't have a relevant Christian witness to it. That's pretty significant, isn't it? God has done a lot of great things. Definitely the gospel message has gone out, but still that commission still remains that there is still a lot of work to be done by us, His church. Amen? And so God has called us to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. So to get the answers to our questions here, we're going to turn to God's word, Acts chapter 1. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you for the word of God, that it is the living word of God that is able to transform and change us, Lord God, into who you've called us to be. And so, Lord God, we pray for your Holy Spirit to be here and make it come alive for us. We ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Let's read this together. Acts chapter 1. And uh, I'm going to find my place here as well. Praise God. I should have this memorized, shouldn't I? All right. Yes. I do have parts of it, John. All right. In my former book, Theophilus. All right. They probably called him Theo. All right, Theo. right. Theophilus. What's, what's, is Theo his whole name or is it long? Theodore, there you go, I knew that, yes. All right, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up into heaven. So this was written by Luke in the gospel, um, in the book of Acts, but he also writes the gospel of Luke, okay? And so much of this, what we're gonna cover is also in the last chapter of the book of Luke. I began to do and teach until the day he was taken up into heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and, and spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, he was eating with them and he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized in water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? That was the question even before his crucifixion that they were wondering, right? Verse 7, then he said to them, It is not for you to to know the times or the dates the Father has given by his own authority. Sometimes we can sit around and wonder, hey, when is he going to return? And that, that discussion is happening right now with all we see happen in our world, right? We need to be ready. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses to Jerusalem, and then to, to Judea, and to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And after he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes. He ascended, and a cloud hid him from their sight. And they were looking intently to the sky as he was going, and suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, most likely angels. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him leave and go into heaven. And so, hey, get going, right? So what do we learn from this passage? There's a few things I want to pull out here this morning. First of all, we are to seek the gift the Father has promised, verse 4. That's our first point. If you're taking notes, seek the gift the promise that the Father has promised. The gift of the Holy Spirit was intended to equip early believers to fulfill the mission that God had given them. In fact, if you go to the book of John, the book of John chapters 14, 15 and 16, uh, the Holy Spirit there is called the paraclete, the one that is called alongside to be our helper, all right? And so Luke who, Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, also includes this same instruction as well, to wait for the gift that the Father had promised. And so for 40 days, they waited in the upper room, right? They prayed, and they sought God. And it was after that 40 days that we have the day of Pentecost, and God fills them with the Holy Spirit. And then we see that happen throughout the book of Acts. You know, this wasn't something new, it was something that was prophesied by the prophet Joel back in the Old Testament, years before this ever took place. And Joel said, you know what, the Holy Spirit up to this point has rested on prophets and kings, those that I've called, but in the last days I'm going to pour out my Spirit upon all people, all flesh, right? Your sons and your daughters, men and women, regardless of your race, regardless of your social position, slave or free, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all people. And then we look at Acts two verses thirty-eight through thirty-nine, and I think some would maybe say, you know what? Yeah, that was the Holy Spirit was given for those early believers, right, so that they could fulfill the mission that God had given them. But we're exempt from that because we're like you know two thousand years later, right? But what does he say? Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you. So he's speaking to the people that are being saved on the day of Pentecost, about 3,000 of them. I don't know how he did that to 3,000 without a microphone, right? I don't know how he did it. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children. And for all who are, are far off, for all whom the Lord will call, our God will call. And so I think that includes us in there, doesn't that? That God is still pouring out His Spirit and filling His people with His presence. Most Christian churches believe in the Holy Spirit. It's part of their doctrine, all right? They mention the Holy Spirit. But I think many fail to see the Holy Spirit as being essential to fulfilling the mission that God has called us to do. In fact, that is something that we even struggle with in in churches in my new role is that sometimes we can have a, a body of believers and they want to get together and they want a fellowship, but they have no concern about reaching the world around them that doesn't know Christ. Right? They're good people. They love God, but they've lost sight of the mission that God has given them and the Holy Spirit equipping them to do the work. The early church took very seriously the words of Jesus. They prayed and they sought God in that upper room until it happened, until they were received, they received the gift of the Holy Spirit and were filled. And today that gift is still available to those who seek it and receive it. Saying, God, come and fill me with your Holy Spirit. You know, the minute we invite Christ into our life, God's Holy Spirit comes in us, right? Because without that, we couldn't be we couldn't be saved. We couldn't be renewed in Him. We become new through the Holy Spirit. But also it's the Holy Spirit that convicts us and challenges us and changes us. He's the transforming power that changes us. But He's also the power that equips us. So the second point is be a witness with the Spirit's power. Now that word is dunamis. We use, you know, dynamo and stuff like that. We use some English words that come out of that word, of uh, that Greek word. But it means capacity. Uh, capability, strength, might, ability, force. So you might use one of those words based upon the context of how that word is used. Context is pretty important, all right? I just remember the discussions with Terry, we would talk about people pulling words out of the Strong's Concordance, and you know, you can take, oh, I, I like that definition of that word, right? Instead of saying, okay, what does it mean within the word structure, right? But power, And in this case, it is power to be a witness, to share their story, to share what Christ had done, to share about the cross and God's forgiveness, His plan of salvation. It was power to help them do that. Now, how does that look like in real life? Well, for Peter, I'm going to jump ahead, so I'm going to mess up Theo. I won't jump ahead, Theo, okay? In this case, it was power to be a witness. So, it could be... It's going to take various forms. So it could be boldness to tell others about your story and what Jesus has done for you. Now, some of you are gifted in the gift of boldness, all right? And that maybe gets you in trouble at times, all right? (laughs) All right? But most of us are not. Most of us need God's Holy Spirit to give us the words to say and and the confidence to share those words when we feel that nudging. Or maybe it's the last time I checked, I was not able to heal anybody, but I have had people that have been healed as I've prayed for them, all right? And I've seen miracles take place. That has nothing to do with you or I. In fact, it wasn't anything to do with Jesus. He was the Son of God, but He operated through the power of the Holy Spirit, just like you and I. And so if if we are to minister to other people, it is through the healing power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, it could be God's anointing to write. Did you know that God's anointing, His Holy Spirit can make your writing anointed? Right? I think that was Luke was a physician, but I think that's where God really gifted him was in the ability to write. He anointed the words that God wrote. Second Peter one twenty one, Theo, you can pull up that verse. It says, Prophecy never had its origin in human will, but prophets spoke through, um, through humans, through human spoke by God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You know, it could even be God's Spirit to govern and administer. I believe that God can help us in that area. Or it could just be plain confidence and courage to lead. And when I look at the book of Acts, they were not leading, they were not being the church in an ideal situation, right? There was people out there that were wanting to harm him and kill him, right? That's a great time to be a witness, isn't it, right? Just to be out there and telling people about Christ when you know that there's people that could harm you. And actually, take your life or take your possessions, take what 's important to you, and yet they had the confidence and the courage to do that that was not of themselves, it was of the holy Spirit and so, as you go through the book of Acts, you see these examples and how they shared Christ with the world around them and so I want to share a couple just a couple examples Gideon and uh, terry i don 't know if you remember when David Jones shared in the the we had theology of the Holy Spirit, but I remember I remember some some vivid things about that. but the Gideon is really a powerful example. It says that the spirit of the Lord came up upon Gideon or clothed Gideon but it's, it, when you really get into the the Hebrew on it, it means to clothe with right but the Spirit of the Lord clothed itself with Gideon was talking about that the Lord had almost complete possession of Gideon when he went out there to deliver the Israelites from the Midianites, all right? The Spirit of the Lord became incarnate in Gideon, one author says, and became an extension of the Lord. Thus, Gideon was ready for an immense task that awaited him and to bring deliverance. So it's like uh, Gideon was just along for the ride and the Holy Spirit put Gideon on his clothes. Kind of some pretty good imagery there. It came upon him. So Gideon is a powerful story. And then there's David. You know, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. He killed a lion and killed a bear. Not with the 308 or 243, or right? But with what? With a sling. I think even one of them has said with his bare hands. And then he goes to Goliath, right? Nine feet tall. All the other Israelite army is kind of like, they just shake in their boots when they saw Goliath come out. And here young David goes out there and he says, I'll take him on not with the armor, not with the sword. I'm going to take him on with my sling, right? The Spirit of the Lord rests upon him, and he took out Goliath. And then he was inspired to write songs, which we are included, many of them are included in our book of Psalms, right? Elisha did so many miracles, right? And then Peter had the boldness, and he took the gospel to the Jewish people and even Gentiles. Cornelius' story is really powerful. Paul had the boldness. You know, Paul had boldness, but when God got a hold of his life, now he had guidance, he had the vision and strength to do what God had called him to do. And I think Paul was a pretty hard-headed guy, okay? Um, probably why he wasn't married. Um, but I think even though he was pretty driven and hard-headed, when you read, I mean, he was stoned three times, right? One le- Well, he was stoned left for dead, but, I mean, he was—he endured all these things. He was flogged. He was persecuted. And yet, he didn't quit. He didn't give up. I mean, there's one thing to be hard-headed, but there's another thing to really be resilient. And then Luke, he was the physician that wrote two key books in our Bible, and I believe was led by the Holy Spirit to write those. I believe the Holy Spirit can empower and anoint you to be a bold witness, to be confident in your faith, to lead well, to influence others' um, through you to influence you to write or to speak or to sing, um, you know the cool thing about David when he would play the songs, okay, that God had given him. All right, he wasn't you know copying somebody else's work. I mean, these are songs that God had given him, and he would sing them and play on the harp. And he began uh, his work doing it for who? Where was his audience? Initially, it was the sheep out in the, out in the pasture, but then it became before who? King Saul. And Saul would bring him in when he was being tormented by evil spirits, and David would come play on the harp, and it says that the tormenting spirits would leave. That talks about the anointing presence that was flowing through David as he played. God can flow even as you're on the instruments up here. God's Holy Spirit equips us to do what God's called us to do. The list can go on, but the power of the Holy Spirit gives us the ability, the power to do what God has called us to do within the framework of who he's created you to be. And so I, I sometimes wrestled with this because I am not a Paul. Okay, that is not my temperament. In fact, when I was in high school, I was very shy. And even in Bible college, that was probably me. I wasn't, that. that's not me. So even to share my faith was like, um, uh, very difficult and, and Terry will remember those days when we'd load up in a van and go to Aberdeen, uh, South Dakota to share, go street witnessing I, sh- I, I shook the whole way down there man I th- that thought of doing that was just too much um, but I can say that many years later now I can confidently share my faith but based upon who I am I don't think God has called everyone to be a Peter or a Paul but I think he's created you as he's created you and he can use the Holy Spirit through you to accomplish what he's called you to do. Number three, go where the Spirit leads. You know, those disciples were there, they were looking into the sky, it's kind of like, wow, that was pretty cool, man. I mean, when's the last time you saw somebody just kind of ascend into the sky, right? I mean, it's kind of like, I don't know, do we make a memorial here? Do we just kind of hang out here or whatever? And the angels say, hey, get going, right? And what did Jesus say? He said, go into the world and make disciples of all nations. Um, Theo will pull that up, Matthew 28, 16 through 20. Then Jesus said to the disciples, go into Galilee, to the mountain where I told you to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but they, some doubted. And then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Okay? Therefore, go. And so when you look at that word go in the original language, it doesn't mean just go once. It means as you are going, okay? So as you're going to Walmart, as you're going to college, as you're going to school, as you're going to the Husker football game, all right? As you're going about your business, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And as surely as I am with you, I'll be with you always to the end of the age. And we see that in the book of Acts. It begins in Jerusalem, goes out to Judea. All right? And then persecution hits, right? Bad thing, right? How many like persecution? I don't. Persecution hits. But then the church scatters. So Philip was waiting on tables. He was taking care of widows in Jerusalem. But because of persecution, he finds himself in Samaria. And he says, well, I'm in Samaria. I might as well start sharing Christ. And people get saved. A sorcerer gets saved. Pretty cool. And people are filled with the Holy Spirit when Peter and James and John get there. James and John, I think. And then we see Paul taking the gospel now. Not only from that area, but he's in Antioch, and then he's called there um, to go into Asia, modern day Turkey, Macedonia, Greece, to places um, where they hadn't heard the gospel message. The progression. And so we see Acts 1 8, I will give you power to be witnesses to the rest of the world. It's a progression. In conclusion, God has given us the Holy Spirit. He's a, it's a gift that He's given us. And um, I, I sometimes think that at the church today, um, we don't take advantage of the gift that He's given us. I'm going to have the musicians come and uh, join me up front. What I encourage you is to seek the gift the Father has promised. In your prayer time, as you're seeking God, um, Having your devotion time. I hope you do that. Take a time just to morning or evening to read God's Word, maybe do some journaling and say, God, here I am. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I need your Holy Spirit as I begin this day. Um, give me help me know it to to say to people and to know when. I mean, some I don't think sometimes I mean there's some people that just every person that they come across, they're gonna share Christ. I'm I'm more kind of like I get to know people and through that relationship. Boom. Then I, I recognize when God's opening up that door and I share Christ with them and I pray with them. Um, but I believe that's part of the Holy Spirit guiding and directing us. Seek the gift that the Father has promised. It's a gift, something because He loves you. He wants you to be effective. He wants you to live in power. He wants you to live effectively for Him. He's not going to give us a mission that's impossible to do where you get at the end of the day and say, man, I am a real failure. That's not what God wants. He wants to equip you with his power. And you know what, Gideon, I'm going to go back to Gideon. Gideon had a long list of why he God shouldn't cho- you know, shouldn't have chosen him. Least in his tribe. He was a little guy on the totem pole. Even within his family. And he wasn't a man of great valor and courage because he was threshing wheat in a wine press so the enemy couldn't see him. God says, Gideon says, you don't want me. I'm not your man. God says, yes, you are. God saw something in him and and God equipped him so much so that it was like the Holy Spirit was doing all the work. He was just along for the ride. And, um, so I believe that God can help us even in our weakness and who whether it's living the Christian life or sharing our faith, being what God has called us to be and to go where the Spirit leads. And so that means that as we're going about through our work, going to school, working at home, that God can lead and direct. But also I believe that there's times where God says, hey, I want you to go. I mean, not just go outside your house, but I want you to go specifically someplace. As he did, Paul. I'm setting you apart for the work that I've called you to do. And so then we go, right? You know, Amy and I probably are in Crete, Nebraska, because it was human choice. Uh, we really liked here, but we really sensed that this was where God wanted us. And we're here because we sense that God still wants us here, right? His leading and direction. so we are open to the leading of the Holy Spirit, what God wants to do. That's my call to you today is to be open, say, God, I want your Holy Spirit in my life. Amen. Would you stand this morning? And you say, man, I want the Holy Spirit, but I don't even know if I'm saved. I don't know if I have the hope of heaven. I don't know if I know Christ is my Lord and my Savior. We don't want you to leave without knowing that hope. Available to all who believe. I'm going to lead us in a prayer of salvation. I invite all of our people to do that. Um, But if you mean it with all your heart, I believe that God hears that prayer and He honors that prayer. And He'll come into your heart. He'll forgive your sins. He's going to place a peace and a joy in your heart that you haven't known for a long time or maybe have never known. And uh, so, would you close your eyes and would you pray with me, saying, Dear God, Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. And fill me with your Spirit to live effectively for you and to share you with the world around me. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. If you can keep your eyes closed, but if you prayed that for the first time, would you just look straight at me Just kind of look, laser beam at me. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Let's look to the Lord in in worship as we close this morning and uh, make this your prayer. Just will you just say, God, if if you know him, will you just say, God, I need more of your spirit in my life. I want to be a bolder Christian. I want to be a more confident Christian. I want to be uh, in mission with you, fulfilling the mission you called each of us to do. Praise God. Lord, this morning we just thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. Lord God, that... uh, it's a guarantee, Lord, that we are saved when the moment of salvation You place Your Spirit within us. It's the guarantee. It's the seal. It says that I'm saved. I'm redeemed. I may not always feel like it. I may not always be perfect, but I have the Spirit of God within me. And Lord God, You place Your Spirit within us to empower us, to change, to grow in You, Lord God, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind but also to the power to do what you've called us to do. It's not mission impossible. It's not a mission that we ignore, but it's mission possible as we trust and lean upon you and say, God, here I am. Here are my gifts. Here are my talents. This is who I am. God, fill me with your spirit. Let your presence, let your life be glorified within me, Lord. And so, Lord God, let that be our prayer. Go with us this week as we are salt and light to the world around us, Lord God. Let your presence be within us, Lord God. May it be evident to the people we hang out with without even saying a word. Lord God, let the presence of God be in us and upon us. We give you the thanks. We give you the praise. We ask it in the precious and the wonderful name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Praise God. God bless you this morning. Greet each other as you leave.